With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio.
rock. Here we go. This show is sponsored by CoventryCreations.com. You're listening to Keep It Magic Radio. 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 Are you ready to make some magic? Jackie and Storm are putting the pieces together for you. Find out what planets are changing the game and how to harness that energy. Get the latest metaphysical perspective on hot topics. Learn how to make magic work for you. Nothing is too hot or personal for Jackie and Storm to handle. Visit our website weekly for articles, updates, and the latest information to transform your life at www.keepitmagic.com. Now here is Jackie Smith and Storm Sestavani. Good afternoon, everybody. It is February the 12th, 2013. I'm Storm Sestavani, and of course I'm here with the multi-talented um, Jackie Smith, who's doing four classes at Convocation, if you go and holla. Um, make sure that you cruise on over to our uh, website at www.keepitmagic.com, and of course, visit our sponsor at www.coventrycreations.com. Um, Jackie, this is going to be a huge show, because first of all, we're talking about women in spirituality. Um so, you know, I've got to tell you something really, really strange because you know that we plan our topics in advance. Right. And uh, as I was mapping out the show yesterday, I was like, oh, you know, i got to – because I just haven't had time to watch much TV lately. So um, uh, I, I go, you know, i got to go find something to start the show off, you know, so that Jackie and I can kibitz for a little bit. So I open up my browser, and it says the Pope resigns. And that this is the first time, Jackie, in 600 years that a pope has resigned. Yeah, actually 598, but yeah, go ahead. Yeah, so, uh, you know, I was just like, oh, my God, you know, because, uh, you know, I knew that we were going to talk about religion and spirituality, you know, as it concerns women and especially, um, you know, how there seems to be a little bit of the mold breaking um, or the glass ceiling shattering um, uh, (laughs) in regards to... uh, women in spirituality for the past uh, few years. And I also think that there's a large disconnect, basically, in regards to um, uh, women and um, the quote-unquote Judeo-Christian faith. So, the Pope resigns. So I said, okay, at least I can, we can talk about this. Um, And then, Jackie, a few hours later, okay, I put in the Pope resigns into my uh, Google ag- aggregator, uh-huh. and I get this this message on my cell phone that says, "Lightning strikes St. Peter's Basilica, Basilica as Pope resigns." <laughs> and you know, basically the article. Let me read the. It's, it's just a couple of sentences here, but basically it says, "Pope Benedict has shocked a billion Roman Catholics around the world and his closest advisors by announcing that he will resign at the end of the month. He'll be resigning on February the twenty eighth. By the way." Within hours of Pope Benedict announcing his resignation, resignation, lightning struck at St. Peter's Basilica, and the Pope, of course, he's 85 years old, mm-hmm. and he's been the head of the Catholic Church since Pope John Paul II died, um, and that was in 2005. So, right, you know, you know, he got, there was a lot of controversy around them appointing him Pope. Yeah, because he was Pope. like a, a Nazi or something. Right, I forget what it's about. yeah, and he's a really, he's a really conservative Super conservative Catholic. He 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 would want us to go back to Latin, seriously. Yeah. So go ahead, keep talking. 
So, you know, I, I just found that this is pretty interesting. Now, let me add you just a little bit of an astrological craziness, okay? Okay. The Vatican is currently going through a Uranus return. Now, when you think Uranus, think the tarot card, the tower. I don't have to say anything else. <laughs> interesting. So, so with this whole lightning strike right after the Pope resigns, and this being a, a pretty much an unprecedented event, which I find really interesting because you know with Pope John Paul, he was he was he was so um, I mean he was he was non-functioning. Yeah. Towards the end of his his reign or end of his tenure is a better word as as the Pope. Um, he was very much non-functioning, and but but he never he didn't resign while functioning. So I'm wondering, okay, with with I can't remember this guy, Pope Benedict. Pope Benedict. He um, there's so much controversy around him him being there. Also, he one of the reasons he was elected is because he was one of the last um, for non-Catholic. I know a lot. He was one of the last bishops who was actually at Vatican II. Yeah. So, so this would be the last pope that has actually been at Vatican II, which is where things had been rewritten. Um, and now, here's a couple of interesting tidbits. On Morning Joe this morning, there was a represent, representative from the Catholic Church, from one of the one of the bishops or whatever, mm-hmm. from the American group. There's there's a whole title name that I did not pay attention to, but what's interesting is that. They're they're reporting a growing number of um, converts. People are converting to Catholicism left and right, which I find very interesting. And then um, the other thing that um, uh, people oh like in Chicago the seminary is one of the Chicago seminaries in Chicago is full. It hasn't been this full for for generations really. Yeah. And then. Um, the other thing that was that I think is is really interesting is that there is, and I didn't look him up, but um, there is a monk from way back when, some cave dwelling monk, who wrote in meditation wrote down the names of all of the upcoming popes um, up until Benedict, and then the one after him. Um, uh, that there was. Um, that this is the Pope that's going to have to deal with the Antichrist and will be the downfall of the Catholic Church. So there's it's a, it's a 12th century monk who predicted at least each of the last ten or so Popes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I just looked it up as I was talking. His name was Maclachy, M-A-C-L-A-C-H-Y. Mm-hmm. Um so we're down to the final Pope of the Catholic Church. That's starting to sound like um, another Mayan prophecy. <laughs> hey, Phoenix was just asking me, your BFF was just asking me what the next end of the world prophecy is. Now we know. Yeah, so it is uh, uh, kind of interesting. One of the things that I think, Jackie, um, in regards to this, in the, basically there's a lot of Catholics that are hoping that we're going to have a non-European Pope. Um, you know, either somebody from South America or an American or um, a, a, a Central American or a Mexican, you know, just not a European pope at this particular point. Right. And I was reading, uh, just browsing through a little bit of stuff in my Google aggregator, um, and one of the things that a lot of people were saying um, and, and commenting on is that similar to the Republican Party, 
in our country um, that the Catholics are going to have to start reaching out to um, uh, women. It's going to have to start reaching out to gays. Mm -hmm. Um, As um, uh, oppressed people are starting to become less oppressed, Mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, if they're wanting to continue to be a solid foundational religion and continue to be the the second largest because um, uh, 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 the Muslim is the largest at the moment. Um, Interesting. To become the second, you know, to remain a viable force um, uh, in, in regards to world religion, that they're going to have to change the way that they think about and modernize a lot of the ideas um, of the Catholic Church to embrace more you know, women, and to embrace, you know, some of these, um, uh, uh, you know, alternative uh, alternative types of groups. Um, I would not be surprised if they called the Vatican III. Uh, it, 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 it wouldn't surprise me either, because, I mean, in this particular day, all of the stuff in regards to, um, you know, of course the Catholic Church has been against stem cell research. Um, uh, uh, they're against still against contraception. Um, they're they're not against homosexuality, but they're against practicing it, which I don't even get. I can't even wrap my mind around that. You know, it's like, oh, you can be gay. That's wonderful. Be as gay as you want to be. Just don't touch anybody at the same sex. Um, uh-huh. uh, you know, and cancel your grinder account. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but uh, you, you know the uh, you know so a lot of these things are going to have to be modernized and you know one of the things and and it's why I think it, it's it's quite ironic that we were going to talk about God wears lipstick um, uh, this week because if it was not for Karen Burke who wrote God wears lipstick, um, Kabbalah would still be taught to forty year old plus men. Um, uh, uh, in a very, very contained sort of way. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was basically her that, that told her husband, which she talks about in the beginning of her book, if we are going to do this, we need to teach it to everybody. Right. You know, so it's interesting um, uh, uh, from that particular perspective that it is starting to change. But the other interesting thing is that men are not changing this, Jackie. It's women. Well, it, we're coming full circle again, and, and this is something that, and it's interesting that um, uh, Karen Berg talks about in God Wears Lipstick about um, the role of women in um, in religion and in spiritual paths and spiritual enlightenment. And, uh-huh. and there's always been, um, in every major enlightenment moment, there's always been a woman involved. Uh-huh. And, and that along the way we lost the fact that... Um, in many ways, spirit comes through women and um, moved into subjugating them, and so so women are gaining their voice back. Um, yeah, it, and, and so so the beginning of the book was just just awesome and amazing. It took me a long time to read it because I kept rereading the beginning. The the other interesting thing I think, which is going to be the shift, okay, is that you know here is the thing. Hillary Clinton has not come out and said that she's running for president, but there's already a Hillary Clinton political action committee. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the likelihood of us having a female president in 2016 is very, very high, mm-hmm. um, which would be a complete sea change because it would no longer be the most powerful man in the world. It would be the most powerful woman. Right. You know, so that there is this very large dichotomy um, 
uh, that's beginning to occur. And um, I think it's really interesting in regards to um, women's spirituality. Um, and, of course, you know, it's women um, uh, have been kind of the guiding force for um, many liberation movements. Well, yes. Yes, we really, um, we, <laughs> like I was one of those, but women really have because um, because women hold hold that special place in um, in um, like I said spiritual enlightenment just just in holding that special place of of tolerance of um, caregiving of nurturing um, of saying yeah we're not gonna we're not gonna let our children suffer this anymore. Mm-hmm. And that's really the big part of it is that is that women say no we we can't we cannot and will will not suffer this anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so so a lot of times women will yank the chain and say yeah we hey you boys you boys have gone a little too far. Yeah. Um, so so that's and that's traditionally what what women have done but um, but with women breaking out of this role, I think both men and women are getting lost. Mm-hmm. Because we're um, our roles have changed so much that we're not sure what they are anymore. And I, th- and, and I think it's part of what is adding to um, you know the high level of, uh, of of dysfunction in relationships. But even if you go to um, traditional religion, Jackie, it's mm-hmm. not. You know, of course, there's Joel Olstein, who is, um, you know, a force of his own nature. But, you know, it is a lot of more female um, uh, preachers and female church leaders that seem to be getting all of the attention at this particular point. Okay, but but it's not just the leaders, though. It is the women who are mm-hmm. attending church. It's yeah. the women who are are going on the spiritual path. I mean, come on, I I have a spiritual company and I have a spiritual store and I teach spiritual classes all over the country. And if I even have a guy in the class, it's amazing. And And gay, right? (laughs) A guy who's straight. How about that? Or or even straight men going to get readings or or, um, seeking out their own spiritual enlightenment is so... Rare because usually when men are seeking out spiritual enlightenment, it is to justify something mm-hmm. versus to become closer to the divine. Mm-hmm. And I, boy, I sure I sure hate to say that, but when I see, honest to God, when I see men walking into a spiritual environment, a non-traditional spiritual environment, the first thing, and and I'm not the only one. I've talked to lots of folks about this. I take my own little poll, and I, and I, again, let me apologize to any straight man who's who's actually a seeker, but, you know, you're rare because most straight men who walk into an alternative spirituality environment are predators. Mm-hmm. And I've listened to them talk about it as predators and not really... Uh, and amplify on this a little bit. and This is fascinating to me. Okay. So, very often... Um, when you find a straight man in a spiritual environment, he is immediately, which is a very cultural thing, um, even if he's spouting a bunch of BS out of his mouth, people look at him as so special, so unique. He's the unicorn in a spiritual environment, a straight man who's spiritual. 
Mm-hmm. So, um, so if he's a true and honest seeker, um, more power to you. But a lot of times, even if they don't start this way, they turn into a predator where they're they're looking at um, because it's so prevalent. They're looking at how many girls they can get mm-hmm. because the girls are throwing themselves at this guy, and and they look at um, the people around him because he's the only man there, a lot of times will defer to him. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Now, where do you think that women need to take responsibility in that? Oh, they absolutely need to take responsibility for immediately deferring to that, this man. And they need to take responsibility for um, feeling that they're that they're going to get this perfect man or or this the spiritual guru out of out of the whole thing. They really I watch women throw themselves at straight men, mm-hmm. in in the spiritual environment. I watch um, women go gaga over them, and and I also see men. Not a lot of them. I have a I have some straight male friends who are spiritual seekers. So I apologize to you right now, but you know what I'm talking about. Um, is that they they literally will. Um, when they're not in there for um, a higher purpose, if they're not joining this spiritual group as a higher purpose, purpose that you can listen to their speech and, and what they're talking about. And if you actively listen, you can hear how they're how they're being predators. Mm-hmm. And, and it's disgusting. What this kind of reminds me of, Jackie, is I have a friend of mine that... Um, runs a drug and alcohol rehabilitation center. Uh-huh. And uh, she told me that one of the difficulties with men in early recovery, she goes, usually women are broken um, in a much more deeper way usually than men are. You know, mm-hmm. Usually it's their relationship that has fallen apart or a disconnection from their family environment or their kids have been taken away from them. It's usually an emotional um, bottom that they hit, um, and uh, uh, you, know, you know, and then basically they go into treatment and uh, get things. With guys, she says it's usually their physical life that falls apart. But she says in many cases, you know, that they have to um, go through usually a very, very long period in which the twelve step program becomes their dating. Uh, uh, right. Site, <laughs> right? You, you know, and 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 their hookup community. Um, uh, uh, and when you have just a bunch of, uh, you know, she goes, when you have women that go into early recovery, oftentimes they're they're extremely emotionally needy. They need to be fixed on the emotional level. She goes, and they will easily attach to these particular guys. Right, and and so the other thing I see is that um, men go in for a short period of time. Mm-hmm. They go into the spiritual community. They go in into um, deep commitment to whatever they're doing for a minute to mm-hmm. fix something, to fix a specific thing. So I'm not saying this to dog men. I, I'm, what I'm saying is that when I watch, I, I know very, you know, my husband's a very spiritual man, even though he'll never admit it. But, but I watch. Um, I watch men who who specifically go into communities do some stuff, and not every guy does this. I just am talking about. Um, 
I find it fascinating. Even publishers will say, if we have a charismatic man who's speaking this versus a charismatic woman speaking this, they'll publish the guy first because they know the guy's books will sell because there's so few of them. Mm-hmm. Especially if he's a straight man. Now, you know, and 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 um. There is, and whether you're gay or straight, there's this energy of free for all in some of the pagan communities that 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 um, you know sex comes with it, and um, and that's not that is not necessarily the case either. Those two things are not synonymous. They are two entirely different and separate experiences that some people choose to combine. Mm-hmm. They don't go together, and I know that there's some. Um, Folks who who thought that they did, yeah. Early in the days, and 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 let me be, let me just be really blunt and honest, and let me, you know, um, in the light, whatever, just just tell my own truths here. My first husband is one of those guys, mm-hmm. and he's the one who brought me into the spiritual community, and he's the one who tried to set himself up as a guru, and he's the one who tried to get himself a whole bunch of girlfriends through it. So so that was my first experience, and. I thought that was a singular experience. Mm-hmm. And so then, um, and I again, I know different guys in the pagan community who are who are great and fine, but I watch them flit in and out, where I watch um, in the spiritual community women be committed for their entire lives and continue to grow. And it's like, it's like a hundred to one. Yeah. So so I don't want to say, you know, all men are like this or anything like that. I'm just saying it's it's, the balance is so feminine based that um that they're the real seekers. I mean, you can have a couple of leaders here and there and and we elevate the people that that um you know, hold that power for us and and we still think that men hold most of the power so that we'll quickly elevate a man mm-hmm. and not as quickly elevate a woman in the in the spirit. I th- I think that the last election, well, the election before last um showed that very, uh, very profoundly because you had Barack Obama who was extremely oracular um, Mm -hmm. uh, and was able to speak in this very, very charismatic way who, and I'll probably irritate um, uh, somebody by saying this, who was not, I think, um, as qualified to be president as Hillary Clinton. Oh, yeah. Um, I thought you were going to talk about Mitt Romney for a second. I'm going to be confused. No, uh, who was not as, uh, uh, you know, had as much experience to be president of the United States as Hillary Clinton. Um, And a lot, and interestingly enough, a lot of the people that were so anti-Hillary Clinton were women. You know, here's here's an interesting thing. When that first election um, with Barack Obama and, um, and when our girl from Alaska was running too, yeah, Sarah Palin. Um, I was in a homeschooling group, and one of the moms from the whole homeschooling group was bitching that why isn't this woman home raising her her kids? And I went, "Whoa, wait a minute! You're a PhD. Yeah. How is it that you just went there? You know, how how did you just go there when when you're like all women's live and all this other stuff? So, so it was it and and. And she didn't even know what to say because I I just really called her out on it. You're you're for women's lives and women's rights, but you just went to to the place, mm-hmm. <laughs> the dark place concerning. You don't even know why you don't like Sarah Palin, so you pulled this out of your pocket. Yeah. Um. 
and and uh I I do I do think that we have we venerate the male energy mm-hmm. as as the leader, as the spiritual leader, as the the strong one, as the one who's gonna keep us all sane. But really that's a false structure. Yeah. I, I, exactly. You know, the um uh, you know, I remember watching um uh you know, during that election Hillary had a lot of her um her uh you know campaign speeches and stuff online and Jackie, it was horrifying to hear if she was visiting at a college mm-hmm. guys in the background screaming, Get in the kitchen and make me a sandwich. Yeah. You know, the um that which, you know, this wasn't, you know, just some woman that came off of the streets. This is a woman that had been in politics for 30 years. I mean, um, uh, in, in many ways, you know, it is laughable to compare Hillary Clinton to Sarah Palin, of course. You know, their experiences are vastly, oh, yeah. vastly different. Uh, uh, I, don't you find the tune that people are, are singing to, about Hillary right now is so different? Yeah. Now they're giving her credit for Bill's success. They're giving her credit for Bill's success. Um, but in 2008, Jackie, the shocking thing to me is that a lot of women were upset because she did not divorce Bill. Mm-hmm. You know, which which is... None of our damn business. Exactly. It's her relationship. It's her marriage. You don't know what kind of agreements that they have together. Right. Um, uh, and it's not... It, 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 and, and I think that it is... Very callous of us to sit and judge that. I want to know what she can do in the office. I don't know what she's what she's doing at home. I could care less if she can't cook. I could care less if she can't iron a shirt, and I could care less if she has sex with her husband. True. You know, I just want to know is she qualified to be president of the United States? And yes, she is. Um, uh, but you know, it, it it is interesting what four years can do because she's now the most popular woman in the world. Yep. And 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 um, there, okay. So so you look at we, we compared the Catholic Church to Republicans, right? Yeah. Now, which is all very reactionary. People are really scared of this new world we're creating. Mm-hmm. They're very uncomfortable with um, how much freedom um, people all over the world have to speak, and and it's not equal freedom. I'm not, I'm not even going to go there, but. But um, how small the world has become, um, you can't keep your secrets like you used to. Mm-hmm. Um, that people are uh, who are very different from you now have a voice that you can hear in your life. It's very scary to people. Very scary to people. Yeah. And um, and and that um, so it's becoming a very small world, and and we cannot insulate ourselves from a lot of aspects of it and and in many ways that's what the Catholic Church wants and it's not very progressive and um and there are churches who are going against papal edict mm-hmm. so that they can embrace um well not necessarily women as priests but women as ministers even more than in the past um uh having a gay population here's here's the thing about Catholicism it can be very, very beautiful and powerful. It is one of the <clears throat> only Christian faiths that has magic. Mm-hmm. That and the Orthodox. There's lots of magic and there's lots of mysticism and mystery. There's a lot of miracles. You don't in in the in the Protestant 
religions, the Protestant aspects of Christianity, you don't have any of that. You, it's you and God. Do yeah. it out. You know, it's that's really that's it. It strips it strips down all the the mysteries and mysticism that keep religion as something miraculous in our lives versus something that is drudgery. Mm-hmm. So. I want to talk a, a little bit more, especially the the, um, the aspects, because I don't know what it's like, so I'm going to have to ask you the question, um, of, uh, you know, women, specifically women in uh, uh, modern religions on the other side of the break. But first, we, of course, have to take a break. Um, make sure that you cruise on over to www.coventrycreations.com. Again, that's www.coventrycreations.com. And here is the song... From the album that won Best Pop Album of the Year, here's Kelly Clarkson. You know the bed feels warmer, sleeping here alone. You know I dream in color and do the things I Yeah. 
And welcome back to Keep It Magic, everybody. I'm Storm Festivani, and of course, I'm here with Jackie Smith, um, talking about women and religion and women and spirituality, and we will be beginning to delve into one of our Kim um, uh, books of the week, which, by the way, we probably are not going to be able to get through a lot of God Wears Lipstick today because there's other things that we need to cover to set the stage for this. Um, so Jackie and I, next week, will be talking about Does God Really Wear Lipstick Part 2. Part 2. So um, we're going to continue with this particular book. If you do not have the book, I heartily recommend it. You can get it at Amazon.com or your local bookseller, wherever you want to get it. Um, it's, I'm, it I, is a quick read. I'm almost done with it because I'm doing reading it in the middle of everything else. But you finish what you're saying. I'm sorry. And it's, and it's, a, it, it, it's not a, you know, there's areas of it that are rather intense, but it's not um, boring. It's not a, you know, uh, she writes it in a very commonsensical, I think that's the word, commonsensical, uh, sort, of, sort of way in which it's not like reading the Torah. So, um, <laughs> so it's, uh, uh, you know, definitely um, pretty good here. Um, now, Jackie, one of the things that we were talking about in regards to when you were going through the book is that you were having a little bit of a difficulty with it. And I sense that intuitively. I sense that your dif- your difficulty with it has more to do with modern construct dogmatic constructs of women necessarily than it does um women's spirituality issues. So what I wanted to to talk to you about is you're a recovering Catholic. Mm-hmm. Um uh, what is it like to be a woman in Catholic? Because, you know, in a propos to my getting a sex change, which is never going to happen, and in a propos, and even if I did, I, you know, I would say there's still a question mark there. Um, what is it like to be a, um, uh, what is it like to grow up as a woman in a very traditional sort of religion? Well, okay. I think the best way to describe it is, let me ask you a question, Storm. When you were a kid, you know, maybe five, between five and eight, and you have those conversations of, what do you want to be when you grow up? What were some of the things that you talked about? You really want to know? Sure, go ahead. Wonder Woman. (laughs) I Dream of Jeannie. Okay. One of Charlie's Angels. Did you ever have any any practical things? And I know you're speaking as a gay man, so. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, I wanted to be a doctor for a little while. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, uh, a lawyer for a little while. Um, uh, I even wanted to be an English teacher for a little while, and that was a, that was a little bizarre. But that kind of ended by the time I was fourteen. Um, okay. Yeah. So, so my brothers would say things. Like you know, firefighter, a lawyer, uh, you know, things like this, a mail carrier, you know, postman, all that stuff. Um, That's too sweaty for me. Go ahead. <laughs> but but just just boys say would say stuff like that. They the the options were endless. Mm-hmm. I wanted so so for me. The options were, even though I was born in 1968, so the women's lib was already on the scene. Um, my mother is, was fairly progressive at the time. I mean, my mother had gone to college to study interior design when she met my dad. And, and what happened to her? She immediately left college so she could get pregnant and have babies. Oh, my God. Yep. So, so I grew up 
in a um, in an oxymoron, shall we say? Mm-hmm. So here's my stay-at-home mom. Now, granted, she had nine kids. You can't do anything but stay at home at that point. Yeah. So um, I grew up with a stay-at-home mom who deferred to my dad on a lot of things. Was a strong woman in her own right, kind of telling us that we could be anything we want. But my list, and I found some of these lists. I'm a little Virgo, so you know I made a bunch of them. But my lists were: I wanted to be a nurse or a teacher or a nun, you know, because spirituality has always been been a, a big part of my life. So. So none of those things was ever a leader. Mm-hmm. Um, none of those things was ever in a place of, um, as a teacher, yes, you're, you're a leader and you can potentially direct, et cetera. But, but really, it's, it's a very different ball game now. Um, I watch girls today talk about everything, everything. Mm-hmm. You know, my daughter says, I want to be a historian or an artist or this or that. So um, so what it was like to grow up is to be a non-entity, to be a non-entity in your spirituality. Mm-hmm. You don't have a choice. You have to take what's given to you, and you pray and beg um, to be given anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so you are inherently dirty. Growing up in, in Catholicism, even though my mother said that, um, that you know, she never said the opposite of that. But in the church and the stories and the Bible that they would talk about, etc., women are dirty and wrong. Uh-huh. The story of Eve was played off that that women had more to atone for than men, ever. So it's interesting because because um, Karen Berg talks about that in her book, talks about Eve in her book. So. Um, and and all these different things is that, you know, even um, Mary and Margaret in the mm-hmm. Bible or Mary Magdalene in the Bible, Mary Magdalene was never seen as um, as the powerful woman that she was. And when I was when I was getting confirmed, I chose Magdalene as my confirmation name, which made everybody go up in uproar. Mm-hmm. Because how dare I choose? I didn't choose like Jude or Judith or... And you know, not even Mary. I chose Magdalene as my confirmation name because. Um, and when the bishop came, they called the bishop to come talk to me. <laughs> they were they were concerned for my soul, and um, and the bishop said, "Well, why are you choosing the name Magdalene?" And I said, "Because she gave up the most. She's a powerful woman. Didn't you see? You know, in the Bible it says blah blah blah, and I'm quoting Bible verse to him. And the stories Magdalene clicked in my research." Uh-huh. Magdalene's a powerful woman, and she gave up the most for Jesus. She gave it all up for him, um, to follow him. And um, what was interesting is that um, I was more right than I knew at age 16, Uh Um, meaning that Magdalene is actually a a title, not a name. Uh So that was a very very fascinating thing to me, that, that, that even the most powerful woman in the Bible, which is Mary Magdalene, is still considered and labeled as a whore, but really she never was. Mm-hmm. She's a priestess. She was a priestess of another religion. Yeah. And so, but they renamed her a whore in all the rewrites. In the original scriptures, it talks about her as a priestess. Um, 
so it, it's just I, I find it. So that's how I grew up, is that women are inherently dirty, and inherently mm-hmm. wrong. So that's that was my that was my experience. You know, I, I think it's it's fascinating um, uh, listening to you talk about that because in Kabbalah, um, the whole story of Adam and Eve is really less about feminine dirtiness um, and more about uh, the vessel wanting to be able to share and be like the light than anything else. So basically, even though that this kind of occurred, um, uh, the story is more metaphorical in regards to human beings wanting to be their own cause rather than just simply the effect. So, um, you know, the, uh, the being tempted by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, um, uh, basically, uh, you know, in the biting of that particular fruit is just the disconnection, basically, from only receiving from the light um, uh, and only receiving um, from God. It was an opportunity, basically, for Adam and Eve uh, to begin the particular process of being able to share with one another, to have something to give, to have something to contribute in order to become a whole um, uh, unit rather than just simply receiving from the light, which is where, and, and, you know, Jackie, we've talked about this many times before, Mm -hmm. what happens when you only receive is that eventually what occurs is bread of shame. Um, uh, Because it's not something that you've gone out and earned earned on your own, which can lead to apathy, which can lead to depression. Um, And I was helping you last night with some stuff in regards to a lecture that you're giving on the sun. And, um, uh, you know, it's interesting in many ways that that disconnection from, um, uh, you know, many of the attributes of the sun, the planet, the sun, Mm -hmm. um, or actually the luminary, the sun, um, is really about getting comfortable in your own particular skin and doing what honors you necessarily rather than honoring other people because the only way that you're going to get to the point that you can honor somebody else and give to them is a basic authenticity within yourself. Yeah, and and that is, um, well, okay, so so kind of bringing that um, full circle back around to God Wears Lipstick, mm-hmm. Kabbalah for Women. In the beginning of God Wears Lipstick, she really talks about the power of the woman mm-hmm. and that it's the power of the woman um, that that brings balance to the universe. Yeah. And and it's it's I find it how okay, so I so growing up Catholic and women being treated as the dark side. Something to be um to be risen above. Well, you really Jackie shouldn't trust something that bleeds for 5 days and doesn't die. <laughs> <laughs> A month. <laughs> right. <laughs> What can I say? Sometimes we're just zombies. Go ahead. So, um, <laughs> I'm writing a blog about that, by the way. <laughs> oh, nice. Jesus as a zombie? Awesome. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, um, so I just I just found it interesting. So when I was first, it, and I fought against that. You know, there's there's different traditions that you know don't interact or touch a woman um, when she's on her menses. Don't you know? Women are dirty. Blah blah blah. And so I spent a lot of years reclaiming the power 
of womanhood and not being ashamed of it. Yeah. So when I was first introduced to the Kabbalah and and the female side, the left side of the tree of life, um, is the darker side. It was always considered like like Bina is darkness. And I'm like, forget about that. I almost swore. Forget about that. Mm-hmm. I'm not no way. No way, because, you know, women are the bringers of life, women are the bringers of light, et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. So in, I'm so glad Karen started the book in this way, talking about, and this is why I, I had a hard time getting past the beginning, because I kept rereading it and going, gosh, that's awesome, mm-hmm. about, you know, she has this whole thing about the light bulb. Mm-hmm. Is that, um, and, and I'm going to say it wrong, because you know I always do, but but with with the light bulb, um, there's you have to have the energy coming in. Yep. You have to have the energy going out, and then you have to have what restricts the energy, what causes the tension. Yes. What causes disruption of the flow, and that disruption of the flow is the light. Yes. And so she talks about how women are the disruption of the flow. Mm-hmm. And that you need women to disrupt the flow. You need that that feminine energy that disrupts the flow to to experience the light. And whether we're talking about light in the light bulb or light of the divine, um, that it's that disruption to be able to experience the light. And so, even though she didn't quite say this about about Eve, Eve is the disruption. Yes. So that we can find the light within each other. And 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 so so Adam could find the light within Eve, and Eve could find the light within Adam, because there was no differentiation between Adam and and the light. Correct. And so we need that. And so it's um, so to have spirituality and religion and, and divine intercession, you need feminine energy. You need the woman. Yeah, you need the woman. Um, uh, and, uh, you know, one of the things which interesting with, with Kabbalah, Jackie, that they don't, um, that you don't see, even though that it's it's written in the Bible so freaking clear that you, uh, uh, you, you don't even need an interpreter to, uh, to comment on it. But um, a woman automatically just by the the sake of being born with a vagina, is at a higher spiritual vibration with a man than a man because she already has an urge to share. Automatically. Um, uh, and, And it is spiritual as well as biological because it is, you know, the woman that gives birth, the woman that... You know, um, feeds the baby when it's born, and uh, and takes care of it, and raises the child. So she's already on a higher spiritual level, which is why it was not, you know, for for many many um, uh, uh, millennia, it was not necessarily required that women study the Torah. Um, men, on the other hand, had a very very strong spiritual correction that they had to fix because men had a much larger desire to receive. Um, uh, And if you think about it, Jackie, of course, you know, until recent times, 
um, men had to have that desire to receive because of the fact that they were the ones that went out and worked and they made the uh, made money and you know they came home and they provided for their particular family. So their desire had to be at a much more higher level. Not necessarily so much the case now, um, but their desire had to be at a larger level. So basically, what happens in in Kabbalah basically that the theory is is that the woman's purpose is basically to help the male with his correction. And this is where I get a little chapped. Why? It's not my responsibility as a human being to to raise anyone, to fix anyone. Why do you think that the word helping a man with his correction has to do with raising and fixing? Um, maybe because that's what it what many times in this day and age it looks like. Yeah. Um that's what it that's what it looks like. You you are are taking res- no, you're you're having to take or given or expected to have the responsibility of the entire family's well-being. Mm-hmm. The only person I'm responsible for in this life is my daughter. And that ends in about 2 years. Right. Well, you know, it's still it, it goes on after that. You 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 want to make sure that they're they're healthy and et cetera, et cetera. But there's two people in this world I'm responsible for myself and my daughter. Now, now in in going forward in this, and I can understand where I can understand this concept logically. I understand this concept and where mm-hmm. it's going from. But I fought really hard to be my own person mm-hmm. because in my first marriage. I was but to be a reflection of of my ex-husband. I was to be he was he literally and he literally said to me, literally said to me at one point, I chose you because you're young and I can mold you. <clears throat> literally came out of his mouth. So so he made me responsible for all of his issues and if only I behaved in a different way then he could behave in a different way. And thank God he didn't beat me, but there was all kinds of emotional and other negative um, aspects to it. So so there is that. So that's what I think is the total imbalance there is, is that we are coming out of a generation, generations upon generations, mm-hmm. where men have made women responsible for their happiness, for their well-being, for their behavior. And so I um I can you know if if you got to help me to help you. Yeah. And so she does talk about that how it's part of the man's responsibility et cetera. and I, mm-hmm. I do I do love that there's this one thing she said that when a man gets married um I have notes. Um you know women are born with tremendous spiritual power and men have to earn theirs. Mm-hmm. I I I understand that. Um but there's um what is it that, that when a man gets married there's something that's put on his forehead? Mm-hmm. Um, and that means, yep, I gotta work hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it is a particular point. Jackie and I will continue the smack sound when we get back from that. <laughs> <laughs> From our break, we're um, uh, talking about God Wears Lipstick, a book by Karen Burke. Um, uh, We'll be back in a flash. Here is the song of the year for 2012. Don't touch that, though. 
And welcome back to Keep It Magic, everybody. It is currently 5 p.m. here on the East Coast. That means it's 2 p.m. on the West Coast and every single hour in between. That was the song of the year, Somebody That I Used to Know by Gautier, um, which won by the Academy of Arts and Sciences. What do you think about that, Jackie? Oh, wow. You know, I, I totally missed all of that. I, well, I missed the Grammys, too, but, you know, I... Check up on it, you know, the next day. I'm too busy to. I'm, I'm too busy to do Grammys. <laughs> My life is fun, you know, completely out of control, and you know, I'm like addicted to um, working out. So My music has been leaving me a little flat lately. I'm having to go back to my to my old standards. Um, you know. Some of that, and even some of that's leaving me a little flat. Oh, not me. I just turn on BPM Girl and just work out and work out, work <laughs> out, work out. Restriction room. Don't forget restriction. <laughs> because that's the restriction that, remember, between the positive and the negative yeah. poles, between receiving and giving, it's the restriction that you find the light within. Well, that's why, Jackie, I have the one day off of muscular a week. Mm-hmm. And then I only do cardio on that day, so, mm-hmm. um, to get the blood pumping through my body. So, um, no anyway. exception allowed. Yeah. <laughs> the um, I could be doing much more crazy stuff, Jackie, believe me. <laughs> and I've done it. So. <laughs> right. um, here is the thing, Jackie. When I was listening to what you were talking about in regards to not feeling responsible for men, okay, in regards to helping and assisting them with their particular their particular correction, okay. Mm-hmm. Um. My my worry is that you're taking the word helping and assisting and replacing the word dysfunction in there, okay? Because I don't think, based upon, if you're in a particular relationship situation that is built upon dysfunction, okay? Mm-hmm. And Karen talks about this uh, pretty intensely in regards to the book, um, is that both of the particular parties are only in the mode of desire to receive for the self alone. Um, what it is that you're attempting to get out of those particular relationships is strictly something for you. My feeling here is is that when you're helping somebody else with their correction, which is quite ironic, Jackie, because you're probably one of the people that I think is the most equipped to help people with their corrections. <laughs> it, it's just it's it's just a whole kind of gosh that's going on there. Um, uh, okay, so so I, I realized and during the break what it is, but keep going. But but basically, I don't think that necessarily that you can share in a dysfunctional situation. Okay. Here is my challenge with all of this, and I realize this is my challenge. Okay. Uh, and then I want to I want to you know like totally contradict myself after I'm done with this statement. Okay. My challenge is that through reading this, it starts. It, it is a judgment that I place upon myself mm-hmm. that if I have an identity outside of being born to be a helpmate, mm-hmm. that I'm not working within divine order. Okay. That is the judgment that's going on here as I read this. Okay. So so I, I love that we're really talking about this because at the same time, there's a lot of healing stuff in here too. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I think is really healing and I think that it completely can confirms in a much more extensive way is something that I, I, I talk to my clients about frequently is does they say to me, and I know they say this to you, I just want them to change. I just want, why is why is all this responsibility on me? Why do I have to be the one who makes it better? 
Mm-hmm. Because you asked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's really why. Because it's not okay right now. That's why it behooves you to help the other person make it better. Now, and of course I'm going back to what I said in the beginning of the show, saying that it's the women who are the spiritual seekers. Mm-hmm. And the men go in, in into their spiritual quest to fix a thing and then leave. They get in, get out. Mm-hmm. Um, unless they're going into an organized religion that continues to validate them as the end-all, be-all. Mm-hmm. So, also this is written from the perspective of how to work on your relationship. Mm-hmm. And why is it about you and women working on the relationship? Because it's about women and working on a relationship. Mm-hmm. I'm sure if she wrote one about men working on the relationship. God wears a jock strap. Yeah, God wears a jock <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> um, but my other challenge with this is when I said, when this is Kabbalah for women, I was really excited about learning about Kabbalah. Mm-hmm. And then I get into it, and I realize it's a relationship book. Mm-hmm. How to be a better wife. How to be a better helpmate. How to be a better woman. And but, but you see, Jackie, the thing here and the purpose for Kabbalah, even from the masculine point of view, is to have better relationships. Um, if you're going to study something and it is not going to improve the value, and relationships are, are one of the things that we as human beings value because we all have Libra somewhere in our charts. We all have a Venus, um, and, and we all have a seventh the, house. It's kind of the point of life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, basically, um, uh, you know, in many ways, it is um, uh, uh, just as necessary for men to work on these particular issues as well, okay? Um, which is why it states men should love women as much as he loves the church. Hmm. As much. So as faithful as you are to God and to the divine and to your own spiritual growth, you should love women as equal to that. You should love your wife or your partner or um, uh, uh, whoever you're involved with. And if you're in a gay relationship, your partner as well. Um, you know, Equal to your quest for spirituality because they're equally there and it's equally as important. Um, uh, and, uh, you, you know, I... I of course, you know, men, you know, have a tycoon that they have to work through. Um, Jackie, you may learn about it in your next life when you're a man. But, um, uh, <laughs> well, that's the other thing I was gonna, I was gonna answer, that, but, but that's for kind of for tomorrow's show, I guess. Yeah, not tomorrow, next week's. Um, next week's show. That's what I meant. But you know, my feeling here is, is, and this is just a general perception. I get the feeling as though that women need to do a lot of healing on these archaic religious issues that are nothing about spiritual that they're about religion. Mm-hmm. And I think that the, the concept and the fears come from more of a, of a, um, uh, Christi- a Christian dogmatic um, idealism than anything else. Because, Jackie, again, if you are not you, how can you offer something to anybody else? No matter how, how you know, no matter how good intentions um, that you have, and the interesting thing that I think that uh, that, that Karen talks about is she was married before; mm-hmm. she was married to the Rav, um, and even though that she was married to a good enough guy, um, 
it was not a situation in which she was happy. And she gave up money and all of this other stuff to basically pursue something that ultimately created more light for the world. And I think that that, you know, and that that is the purpose of relationships, is for the two individuals, even you and I, Jackie, the purpose of our relationship is to create light. Um, uh, you know, in order to offer something of higher value um, uh, to the planet. And that's the purpose of everybody's relationship. Well, um, and, and the reason why I'm poking at all of this mm-hmm. is to say, yeah, there, there absolutely needs to be a lot of healing and to understand um, a lot of times we're walking through life from that place of codependence or the, from that place of, mm-hmm. of um, imbalance. So that it feels like a woman has to give up her life to do this, but but I think what um, and you see, I think that a woman has to get her life to do that. So so I'm I'm realizing that, and and we've we've had lots of conversations about this. Is that mm-hmm. I'm reading from a place of struggle, my own personal struggle to find my own identity, because it's not something from my generation that that we were allowed to have. But the great irony, Jackie, is that every man, in every significant male in your life, you're helping them with their correction. I think that what she's talking about is this is natural, and you don't have to lose yourself to do it. Exactly. And so it hits a lot of chords, so it's got to be healing. Yes. And and what what, you know, as I'm reading this and I'm, like, getting a little pissy about it, and I'm, like, going, I call BS. On, on some stuff, um, like, oh, it's usually that that happens because it's hitting a chord with me mm-hmm. because I'm reacting so strongly. I'm saying there's more. Now, granted, I haven't finished the book. Now, now here is another thing. If you look at the men that you're the closest to, when you're having a problem, what do they all do? Oh, they, they absolutely rally around me. They rally around you. They get on their night armor. Um, mm-hmm. uh uh, uh, you know, I remember once we were having a conversation where you were having a difficulty, and I said, "If they come after you, they're coming after me." <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, so so you know, you have your knights uh, uh, there at any po- point, but basically, that is what the male offers the relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the male offers um, that foundation around the woman that allows her to be able to do her thing. Yeah. And it's natural. And I, th- I think that a lot of the problems in relationships today, Jackie, if you look at it, the divorce rate is at such a high level. Um, uh, you know, relationship breakups, especially if you're on Facebook, is even at a higher level. Um, and, uh, you know, basically the, uh, you know, what I wonder and what I question, Jackie, is if we have not, if we are such in a, I have to have everything for me, it has to be what it is that I want mentality, that we're actually destroying our relationships. Well, I remember reading in this book um, about relationships, about Compromise. There's no such thing as compromise, and when you compromise, everybody loses. Mm-hmm. But sometimes it's not your turn. Yeah. And um, rather than compromise, wanting for the other person what they want for themselves, and and if you can't do that, then then that's something to talk about in your relationship. So I found that kind of interesting. Um, 
that uh, is a different perspective to look at? You know, I, I think that the, the one of the things that she profoundly states in regards to the book, which you know gave even a lot of meaning to me, um, is that before you, you know, when when you get upset with somebody or you know you're ready to strangle them, um, uh, the the best thing for you to do is to step back, have a little bit of a cooling off period, be able to reflect on what button it is that it's pushing, and try to understand things from their particular perspective. And if you walk towards somebody after understanding from their particular perspective, um, uh, you know, oftentimes what it is that you can do is that you can begin the particular process of healing that particular situation and get more out of the circumstance in a sharing sort of way than you can when you're hot-headed. I, I agree with you 100%. And I, I sometimes I consciously make decisions when I'm hot-headed because I know that if I cool off too much, I'll just feel it's all okay and I'll go through that pain process all over again. Yeah. I mean, when it's time to let somebody go, um, sometimes you need that, that, that hot-headedness to do so. Um, but then... Um, with with other times that the cooling off is absolutely necessary or you're gonna make some make some mistakes that you might might regret yeah. later. Um but it's funny because I have um my rising is in Libra. Mm-hmm. So I naturally look at everybody's side of the story. Yeah, me too. To the point where too much sometimes. It's too much. I I lose myself in it. So that's why, you know, I'm I'm reading reading this book from that perspective of of I've already lost myself a couple of times to other people, to 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 men, to you know, male employees, to um um uh, to the male dogma of the world. Mm-hmm. I've lost my identity to that. And so it it feels like a very vulnerable place to be, but I think as I'm but as I'm reading through and I'll, and and you know like I said I'm just gonna be, I'm just really honest and this is great that we can poke at this, but as I'm reading through the book a little more I'm going oh so there might actually be something more to this because like and at one point in the book she says Zohar says that women received additional capacity for knowledge. This is not just about absorbing information about but about transforming that information to practicality. Yes. It's being able to process to really learn and apply the knowledge of life. The second meaning is to understand, and the third refers to the power to build. So, yes, it is. It, she keeps on saying it falls to the woman or the woman is born to be this way. It's our nature. I think it's if I if I start replacing we're born to be this way or it's our job... It's just within our nature. I agree. And and one of the things that um, I think that you do very, very well, Jackie, is that you take um, magic and you uh, filter through it and give it to somebody in a very, very practical, earthy, real sort of way where that they can transform themselves you know, rather than just this, you know, oh, here, go like this candle, you know, and uh, good luck, uh, you know. Uh. I find that most men who have embraced spirituality in a healthy way mm-hmm. are ceremonial or shamanic or there's a real specific methodology. Do you find me real ceremonial? Um, well, you're gay, so I'm talking about straight men. Okay. 
um, that um, they move into more of the druid or or more of a shamanic way, which, which is very even even shamanic can be very very structured. This is how you have to do it, and this is these are the steps to get there. And I'm finding more and more women are embracing this very eclectic. Um, I'm not saying all. I'm never using the word all. I'm just just watching a, a trend that um, so many women are just embracing this eclectic, natural goddess practicality type of magic. Um, so it's just it's so that they can they build their own. Mm-hmm. They build their own relationships where men need the structure to understand what their relationship is. And again, this is not a this is not a um overreaching everybody's like this. But I'm I'm just something I'm finding. You know, Jackie, I, I, I think that often and probably one of the the difficulties and I think that the metaphysical field in general may be responsible for a little of this. Um, there is this idealism that once you meet your quote unquote soulmate that everything is just going to be easy and flow and, you know, unicorns are going to pop up out of the ground and, uh, you know, you're not going to have to do anything and he's going to be completely devoted to you and feed you grapes and uh, all of this other stuff. And I just want to do a little bit of story time here. Please. Um, I know you love story time. So everybody just get a little bit comfortable here because I'm going to read a little bit out of God Wears Lipstick and this is in slip into something uncomfortable, the effort tool. And, uh, you know, basically, um, Karen Berg is discussing why relationships are so difficult. And she said, the reason often surprises them. In reality, we wouldn't have it any other way. Something in human nature, an aversion to bread of shame, makes us want to earn what we receive. We enjoy a challenge. Would golf be enjoyable if you got a hole-in-one every time you hit the ball? Where's the fun in that? you'd soon lose interest in the game. I often like to tell a story about Bonnie of the infamous couple on a crime spree, Bonnie and Clyde. In this story, Bonnie gets killed in that famous Depression-era shootout. She then goes to heaven and meets a greeter at the door. She says, let's say that he's an angel. He's dedicated to her and has been placed there to provide her with all of her needs. And uh, he says, what would you like? And she says, I'd like to go to the south of France on a private yacht, and I'd like to have people serving me. And the angel says, done. In a blink, Bonnie is cruising the Mediterranean with servants gathered all around her, tending to her every whim. But by the time of the first week on the Riviera, she's bored silly. She calls for her angel, and she says, I've had enough of this, she complains. I need to do something exciting. In fact, I'd prefer to rob banks. He says, okay, which bank, what town, at what time? They sit down, and they playing the heist. Bonnie comes to the town at the appointed hour. What a shock. The bank's doors are standing wide open. In fact, the vault is yawning at her, ready to disgorge its riches. The tellers hand her the money with a smile. There's not even a guard on duty to stop her. She can stroll out of there with money without uh, messing a single hair in her head. There's no anxiety, no worry. Bonnie becomes furious. Wait a minute, she demands of her angel. Where's the chase? Where are the cops? This is too easy. Where's the challenge? Sorry, he says, but there is no challenge here. She says, well, then I hate this place, Bonnie explains. There's no action. Nothing to make me satisfied. I don't want to stay in heaven. Send me to hell, she demands. And where do you think you are, the angel asks. Mm. I think that that is a very, very poignant story 
in regards to us thinking that everything that becomes easy or everything that, you know, is just going to go with the flow and be this simple thing is, uh, you know, what it is that we desire. And, and I just see, you know, the world is a, a large is, you know, looking at it from this particular perspective of, you know, let's get this device and let's get that device and, you know, if I only have a new house or, you know, I have a, a new car, car, whatever it is, mm-hmm. that it's going to make them happy. And as long as they don't have to put any effort into it, it's, it's going to give them what it is that they need. And I think that this story says that anything that is meaningful in life requires effort. Because it's you don't value it. Um, that's why Reiki, um, <clears throat> Reiki's never free. There's always some kind of exchange or trade or something that happens um, with a Reiki attunement or a Reiki treatment because it's not valued. And I think that the, the same goes for a lot of stuff is that we just don't we're not val we don't value it if it's too easy. If if it's okay, the way I look at it is that um, if it were really easy to lose weight, right? If I could just take a pill and within a couple of weeks all of this extra weight was gone. Mm-hmm. So I do that, but I wouldn't value it. And I just go and gain the weight right back. Yeah. Um, it would not be um, a lesson learned. It would just be a quick fix. It would be a Band-Aid. And so what this is what this is about is this is elevation. Yeah. Elevation of our spirit, evolution of of our spirit when you learn. Yeah. So um, if you don't have that, you you have nothing. Because it's the point of us learning and us evolving and us healing the the issues or the short circuits is what it's all about. Yeah. Isn't that kind of that in relationships? Isn't that what life's all about? Yeah, really. And and I think that if if people spent more time, Jackie, actually putting a little bit of effort. Um, into the relationships, that it would probably, you know, make things uh, a heck of a lot better. So I, I, th- I find it really, re- really interesting that we're doing this in, in, um, in a couple of days it's Valentine's Day, mm-hmm. and um, we're talking about relationships. And so in Ferndale, um, the Ferndale Patch has been doing a little, a little thing on different couples every day, different um, cute Ferndale couples that people know about and little stories. And so they did one about my friend Nan and her husband, Chris. Yeah. And it's funny that some of the people that they're doing the stories about, she sends them a little questionnaire, and they end up arguing over the answers on the questionnaire. But um, when she read the story, she said, gosh, she she makes it sound like it's really easy, that we just love each other and that's it. And I said, I think that's a great follow-up article for you to do. The um, (laughs) Now that the love is over, post-Valentine's Day, how to keep your relationship going article. Because it's a lot of it's a lot of hard work. It's a lot of stopping and and taking a breath and and saying how important is this? And you know, Jackie, here is the, I, I talk to many many clients, and you know, many of them have the idealism that if the kiss doesn't begin with K on Valentine's Day, yeah. Um, you know, it's going to be some horrible experience, as if a box of chocolates is really going to make your relationship better. And I'm not interested in that personally. Yeah. Um, um, we don't. My husband and I don't don't celebrate all this stuff um, because we we work on our relationship every day, not just one day of the year. Mm-hmm. And um, 
And we, I mean, he comes upstairs, and he gets the last piece of pizza from the fridge, and he leaves the pizza box in the fridge. And I'm like, what the hell? So I pull the pizza box on the fridge, and I put it on the counter. And he comes up and goes, what, what the hell is this pizza box doing on the counter to my way? And I go, you ate the last piece of pizza, and you left it in the fridge. And, he, and then he looks at me, starts laughing, and goes, but I was saving that. And so now, I mean, he we could have a fight about it. Mm-hmm. And I said, I specifically put it in your way. <laughs> and and he, he's like, I, I said, I want to teach you a lesson. And he goes, but I was saving that. So that became, that became a joke. So that became funny. Both of our points were made. Yeah. So when we we have moments where where we can we can get mad at each other, we can be hurt, and it's really weird. Um, when and you were you listened to me with this conversation that I had when I when when my feelings were really hurt by him recently over the past couple of months. You watched me choose mm-hmm. to have my feelings hurt. You watched me choose to push his button. Mm-hmm. And and I knew this would push his buttons. And you told me it would push his buttons based on his astrology. Mm-hmm. And you know what I did? Push his buttons. I pushed his buttons because I wanted to punish him. And and I wanted him to, to, to follow my way of thinking, et cetera. So, so when I relaxed and I took a couple of deep breaths and I cried it out a little bit, and then I went back to a way that he could understand, and actually Karen Berg talks about this, is I approached him in a way that his astrological sign could listen to. Mm-hmm. And and I apologized because I purposely pushed his buttons. He actually didn't do anything wrong, even though really he kind of did. But he actually didn't. Um, he just sat there and w- watched me like like do a whirling dervish around him. Yeah. And, and, um, and then we could have a conversation. And then he could listen. Yeah. So and that's that's his personality, but I've watched I've watched this happen across the board. Like women want men to follow along with what they're doing, but they don't, and they can't because they're made different. Yeah. And it so relationships are a lot of hard work, and and know that. As a woman, you put in a lot of hard work, but but know that the man puts in an equal amount of hard work. It may not be defined the way you define your hard work, but it can't be because you're on the other side of the equation. Yeah, exactly. We're are we, we're like done, aren't we? We're, we're we're like done. And by the way, everybody, we will have more. God wears lipstick next week as Jackie and I get into some of these. We're going to go through here and the ones that we like, the tools we like, mm-hmm. we're going to talk about next week. Um, so make sure that you all tune um, in. Make sure that you cruise on over to www.coventrycreations.com. It is your patronage of the Coventry store and the Coventry website that, of course, makes the show possible. So go give Coventry a little bit of love. Um, and go get some love's enchantment to carry that Valentine's love through the rest of the month. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Love's enchantment. That's what, you know, I'm, I'm saying. Um, and Jackie, in the meantime, what do they need to do? They need to keep it magic, baby. <laughs> Speak <laughs> life, everybody. We'll see you next week. feels perfect, other days it just ain't working, the good, the bad, the right, the wrong, and everything in between, 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.